0: Hi everyone, welcome to Going Places, a podcast by Arlo Sky. For those of you who haven't heard about us, Arlo Sky is a direct-to-consumer brand that makes travel pieces for design lovers. We launched in late 2016 with an award-winning carry-on that's been featured in Vogue, The New York Times, Bloomberg Pursuits, and Conde Nast Traveler. I'm your host, Mayur, co-founder of Arlo Sky. This podcast explores the habits, life lessons, and travel routines of leaders in design. They're shaping the world around us, and they're constantly on the move. Our guests today are Monica and Jill, co-founders of Sight Unseen. If you are even marginally interested in the world of design and interiors, chances are you're already familiar with them. Launched in 2009, Sight Unseen is an online magazine that uncovers what's new and next in design and the visual arts. In 2014, Jill and Monica launched Sight Unseen Offsite, a nomadic design fair that runs during the International Contemporary Furniture Fair and serves as New York Design Week's most exciting platform for new ideas and talents. I met Jill and Monica at Site & Scene, the offsite that is, in May 2017 and we discussed the idea of collaborating on a suitcase line. One conversation led to the next, and seven months later, in December of 2017, we released a limited edition collection in SAGE. You can learn more about that at Arlosky.com forward slash You can find Sight Unseen on Instagram at underscore Sight underscore site is spelt S-I-G-H-T. We recorded this show in late December 2017, And without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Jill and Monica. Jill and Monica, welcome to the program. Thank you. Give us a little short story on how you all got your big break in the design space.
1: Well, mine was a total accident. I was never... Um, aware that I was going to end up working in design. I didn't try to work in design. I was basically a young journalist living in New York City with no money. And um, someone reached out and asked me to write about design. And I said yes, um, even though I had no idea what I was doing. And (laughs) that was the end of that. So my big break was just, you know, kind of a little break that led to a full career.
2: Yeah, I think we both like stumbled into what we do now. I started working at ID um, in like 2005 and I had almost never written about design before and I didn't really know that much about design Um, and I kind of just learned everything on the job in the four years I was there. Um, I knew sort of that generally that I wanted to write about some sort of lifestyle thing in general, like music or books or something culture related, but um, design didn't really occur to me or even... I didn't really even know what design was growing up. So, this was all kind of an interesting accident.
0: Before Sight and Scene, you both were editors at ID Magazine. Tell us a little bit about how you all evolved from leaving ID to start Sight and Scene.
1: Well, ID was an interesting magazine because it was founded in the 50s and it was very niche, but very highbrow and intellectual and, um, you know, in depth. Um, and it's coverage of design. So when we were there, we spent a lot of time um, telling the stories behind design objects and uh, behind the people who created design objects. Um, it wasn't really the kind of magazine that was focused on like pretty pictures and that was it. Um, so I think from that experience, when we left ID and we knew we wanted to do another project together, it kind of naturally grew out of what we've been doing together for four years. Um you know, we, when we started ID, sorry, we started sight unseen. Um, the idea was to take, you know, these kinds of deep dive looks behind the scenes, um, which is sort of where the, where the name comes from sight unseen.
0: And was this in 2008?
1: This was in 2009.
0: This was pre Instagram and this was when Facebook was just taking off.
2: Yeah. And so when we started, we really like brought these, um, traditions that we had sort of like ingrained in us from print with us um and it took us kind of a while i mean it took everyone kind of a while to navigate this digital world we were in and i mean we didn't we would post on facebook like once every few weeks if we had a particularly cool story we were interested in um it was very slow going at the beginning um, while we sort of like navigated how to transition into what we do now. I
1: mean, it was like we were doing print stories on a website, Interesting. which we had to kind of grow out of that habit. Um, as you know, the longer we did it, the more we realized that like it just doesn't work <laughs> that well, um, no matter what your journalistic Im- ambitions and you know idealism may be.
0: What areas? within the art interior and design space, were you all interested in focusing on and what types of artists uh, and creatives were you thinking of collaborating with?
2: We, um, you know, we had this background in industrial design. So from the beginning, it was a lot about objects and furniture. Um, We were also both really interested in art. um, So there was that from the beginning as well as some fashion. And the thing that kind of tied a lot of those things together and still does is a lot of the people we feature have a background in something else. Like someone is an architect, and then they decided they wanted to make ceramics, or someone who's um, like a, a fashion designer who like once made you know objects or something like that. Um, so there is this. There's always been this kind of multidisciplinary thread running through the site, and that's something that really interested interested us. Um, I think a lot of those people have like the same um, passions, like you know fooling around with materials and and these kinds of things that are kind of the heart of the site.
0: What was the secret to Sight & Scene taking off the way it has? I mean, you have several hundred thousand followers on Instagram, Sight & Scene is often featured uh, in all of the design coverage that happens, particularly in New York, but globally speaking. I was recently shopping for a MacBook and I went to the apple.com site. (laughs) And if you actually go to the MacBook uh, section of apple.com, there is a photo of the MacBook with the sight unseen website on there. And I think they get something like 10 million views, (laughs) We
1: don't know how that happened. They just approached us and we're like, okay, I don't, I have no idea. I think it's just like someone in the organization must have been like a hardcore designer and, you know, was into us because we're still like a pretty niche thing. I mean, like we we're sort of like, um, people are obsessed with sight unseen and we have this like critical, um, success and, you know, but it's still quite small. I mean, there's these behemoth sites out there that get millions of views a month and then, you know, it's very mainstream and everyone and their mother reads them, but like we are definitely not that. Um, so I think our success has been come more on the critical side where people who are in the know and people who are aesthetes and who appreciate like our aesthetic eye <laughs> can see that we're doing something special because we are so discerning and so careful about what we put out there. Um, so with visually that, speaking.
0: How, how do you then choose who to feature choose who to interview like for all the creatives out there that want to work with you or be featured
1: well the cool thing about what we do is that um we are not a huge corporation with 400 staffers um we're very small and we can do whatever we want and that's always been our mo is just to do whatever we want um and that's kind of what we do i mean we just We get pitched stuff all the time. We see people on Instagram. We see them at fairs. We get emails. We get tips from other designers. And if we like the work, we feature them. And if we don't, we don't. I mean, there's no like magic formula. Um, We don't, you know, necessarily do things for, um, you know, profit reasons. We don't do things for clickbait reasons. We just do things because we like them.
0: Since you guys launched in 2009, how has your mission for siteunseen.com changed, if it has it changed, and do you do do you all do things differently besides the long form content? You've shortened that a little bit, but the site but site unseen still has relatively long form cor- content compared yeah, to some of these we're other sites. Clearly, we not
1: reading our site back in two thousand nine. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> um, it's no changed change. a lot.
2: I mean, one of the biggest changes is visually how it looks. I mean, from the beginning beginning monica and i were photographing most of the
1: original content um and yeah like visiting homes and studios and just bringing our camera, bringing our cameras. it was pretty embarrassing it was a little bit dismal yeah
2: and people who are submitting their work to the site i mean people understanding how to like present and photograph their work is a relatively new concept um they're still learning there's and a lot of people are still learning so the the vis, like the visuals are so much better and so much more tightly curated than they were at the beginning. But in general, like as a concept, you know, we still are we're still trying to like break new designers and we're still trying to like get the stories behind things, but that's a little bit less of a focus than it was at the beginning. And and now it's a lot about trends and interiors and,
1: and um interiors weren't really like a, a huge interest of ours at the beginning. Well it used to be that like You know, if we found a designer that we liked and we wanted to feature them, we had to arrange a studio visit, arrange a phone interview, talk to them for an hour, transcribe the tape, write a huge story. Like, it was like a whole involved thing. And we've just gotten to the point now where we're like, okay, we like this person. Let's get him up there. You know what I mean? Like, let's, like, let's, like, you know, just sort of – it's a lot more um, impulsive in a good way, I think. And coming from print, um,
2: we were – Like, we were like, let's not be beholden to the news cycle. Like, we were tired of that. Um, So it was, like, very much like its own universe at the beginning. And now we are, like, more responsive, especially just because everything happens so fast now. And now we do try to compete with some of the other sites sometimes. Like, we want to be the first people to um, publish something. So we're a little bit more (laughs) timely now.
0: I know that you all love going to the Milan furniture fair mm-hmm. how do you like maximize time at these fairs and why do you like the Milan yeah. fair
1: it's kind of funny like to ask why why we like the Milan fair because it's sort of like asking like you know like is google your favorite search engine <laughs> 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 like it's like it's just the only one you know what I mean like Milan fair is it like that's where everyone launches everything and we're all like the years you know course in design is set every year so you can't you just mm-hmm. have to go um, The reason we like going, um you know, in addition to just getting um, like taking the temperature of what's happening in design is it's just like a cool atmosphere because everyone there is so excited about design. Everyone there is so passionate. You know, everyone's like really excited to run into people on the street and meet people and make new connections. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of young designers who are just showing their work for the first time and they have these good vibes and it's just kind of like a design, you know, Love fest. (laughs) Um, So that's like a really, it's a nice time where everyone's kind of in the same place and on the same page and you just learn so much and you get to absorb so much Um, it's almost like like overwhelming we I
2: mean again this is like when us being extremely discerning kind of helps like we don't have to see everything we're not owned by a corporate parent who wants us to like meet with advertisers so um we We only spend one day at the actual fair because there's so much good stuff happening around town um and We try to take time to like also just enjoy being in Italy because it's really nice and we have our favorite places to go to lunch and um, so many exhibitions are just like in a really beautiful courtyard or something like that. So it's just kind of like nice to be there.
1: The other funny thing that happens in Milan is that every person you run into, you have the exact same conversation with. So you're literally having the same conversation 15 times a day and it's basically – How long have you been here? And what have you seen so far that we should go see? And like that, it's just like, it's like a broken record, but actually it works because people are like, okay, well, here's like what I've seen that you should see. And you like kind of trade notes the whole time. So then you can kind of winnow down like how you, you know, spend your time and make it strategic.
0: moving to this amazing project that that's called Sight and Scene Offsite. Why did you decide to go from digital to physical? And how, what was that process about?
2: Well, we actually have been doing um, the digital and the physical sort of thing from the beginning. We had a different design show um, starting maybe about six months after we launched Sight Unseen itself. Um, It was called the NoHo Design District, and it was sort of like installing the work of designers in different stores and empty storefronts around NoHo which was like, not what it is right now. It was, it was not like as much of a luxury playground that it is right now. And there was space to be had. Um, but eventually we decided that we really wanted to bring everything under one roof and we wanted to brand it with our name so that people kind of understood the connection. So we launched site unseen offsite in 2014. Um, and it's kind of it's followed the same path ever since it's always been a mix of independent designers um brands who are like maybe kind of partnering with monica and i to figure out some really Mm. interesting and different way to present their work um and then just kind of like free-for-all stuff like pop-up shops or um ceramics bars or whatever we've had yeah i mean the the
1: reason the reason we did it in the first place was just pure naivete I guess like it was just like us being sort of like why does New York Design Week suck so bad and like where are all the young designers showing their work and why is the only thing like this boring fair trade fair at the Javits Center and I think we were just like oh we can do better let's do this you know like we had no idea what we were getting into and it sort of we kind of got dragged along with it you know for a few years because once we did it people were like well you can't not do it like where where are we where are we going to show our work you know like so once we started it's it we it was you know impossible to stop i guess
0: what does the phrase that's very sight unseen mean to you
1: well it's funny because like it's sort of half joking um so you have to exactly know like the connotation to like really get it because because what people think is sight unseen and what, what sight unseen is, is like very different because um, we in the past have gotten pigeonholed a lot and that's fine, it's funny, whatever, we don't care. But a lot of times when people say that's so sight unseen, they're often like kind of using it in our minds, like using it wrong. Um, and then we kind of say it sometimes in a joking way to like mimic the, you know, in like an ironic way to mimic whatever. But the point is <laughs> I think people – kind of see um like when we do things we're usually talking about or presenting kind of the next big trend I would say and sometimes, not always, but um we tend to kind of arrive there before other people do. So people often use like that's so sight unseen to mean like whatever the cool trend is at the moment. Um, whether or not, you know, <laughs> We're still into it.
2: <laughs> and it's just, yeah. And what Monica's also trying to say is like,
1: because like, Ugh. you know, everything's so visual these
2: days and things just get like codified. So, like, a door with like a zigzag grate yeah. <laughs> or something, all of a sudden because it can be like so sight unseen because it just looks like a million things we've published, even if we're like not even in that aesthetic. Yeah.
1: I mean, we're just, we're kind of responsible for like tracking these things. And then once we've tracked them, whether or not we think like this is the thing which often we don't, people just associate that because they're like, oh, well, you've shown 20 examples of, you know, like a Memphis chair. So a Memphis chair must be so sight and even though we're going like, no, that's just like what we showed that week. And now we're on to like, you know, Bauhaus or, you know, like Joseph, whatever. Like, it's like people, you know, they kind of like pick that up. And one thing I will say that I just thought of is that color is a big sign and thing. I think people associate us with color, like, um, you know, quite liberal use of it. Um, mm. we're not afraid of it. And I think a lot of um people kind of think of that as sight unseen. Um, For a while, it was millennial pink (laughs) that I'm like, I'm sorry, but we've been doing pink for years. You know what I mean? We're not like jumping on the bandwagon. That's like, it just, if you put it on Instagram, you get a lot of likes, so what are you gonna do?
0: A lot of brands or artists that are featured at this offsite have had incredible success. One particular one comes to mind. I think her name's Annie Lee Parker. Mm -hmm. She was picked up in the New York Times after Mm -hmm. she was featured this year. That must be quite rewarding for you all, despite like the insanity of putting together a show.
1: Well, the insanity is so insane that it's often hard to stop and say it's worth it. But um, that was a good moment. I mean, we, last year we had um, two young female designers just starting out in their careers and Annie was one of them. Um, And both of them, we had asked them to show in our show and they couldn't afford it. Um because they were literally I mean like one of them just launched her collection like at our show. Um so that was really nice because we were able to um get a sponsor that would provide them the space for free and you know they were able to kind of be part of something um that launched them uh to the to the bigger world. So that was really exciting for us as two female <laughs> entrepreneurs, you know, who want to see young women succeed. That was that was really great. Um but I don't know. We've done a few rewarding things recently. One of them's Design for Progress. So Design for Progress was something we started after Donald Trump won the election. And the next morning, we were in bed basically crying. And <laughs> I mean, literally the next morning, we were like, OK, we've got to do something. We have a platform, you know. So the best thing we can do with our anger is to kind of use it for something good so that day we didn't do any other work we just set up this fundraiser online um to raise money for organizations that we knew would be in need of support under the new administration um so we (laughs) set up this fundraiser and we just kind of shot it out to all of our friends and our readers. We posted something that day on Site Unseen saying like, you know, we're suspending business right now to, to announce this initiative. And we've kept it going. We had um, – we had an auction last spring of design objects donated by top designers um, that raised money for a couple of other organizations. We're doing a dance party pretty soon to raise money um, for another organization. We kind of, each time we pick an issue or, or several issues that feel especially relevant, and we we just try to raise money. I mean, like sometimes it feels, um, you know, difficult to be working in an industry that feels like a little bit superfluous or a little bit aesthetic or a little bit, you know, kind of just about money (laughs) sometimes. all you know, that's not what it's all about. There's a lot of people who are artists who, you know, just want to put culture out there, which is great. But um, I think it's nice to have, you know, a platform that you can use for both things.
0: A few years ago, you worked with Twyla, an art purveyor in Austin on a virtual reality project. What are your thoughts on the opportunity for VR within the discipline of design? Well,
1: first, well, this, you should describe the, yeah, like the what the project was.
2: Um, it was a project that happened this year, and it was funny because the um, the Pierre Charot show at the Jewish Museum had just happened, um, which involved like looking through VR goggles and like seeing a home he had created in Paris. Um, And Monica was really, like, really, really into it, and she was like, "We have to do something with VR." And I, we're, we're both, we've both always, like, kind of been a little bit late adopters, and I was like, "Oh, VR? Like, I don't even, I don't even want to hear about it." She was like, "What's the point? What's the point? (laughs) No one cares." (laughs) Then I went to the exhibition, and I was, it like blew my mind. I was like, "Oh my god, no, we actually have to do this." Um, So yeah, so our take on it was we had teamed up with this. Um, online art purveyor and um, art is like a tricky thing to show um, at a show like ours because we don't want it to just be like you know art on a white wall because like the show is about more immersive environments than that Um, so our idea was to pair them with this guy we know Tom Hancocks who renders interiors um, in 3D um, to create like these worlds that were inspired by the pieces of art that Twyla was showing. So when you walked up to the booth, there was like a white wall with like seven paintings or something like that. Um, but then when you put on the goggles, you were like transported to these um, different environments that sort of monica and i worked with tom on um they were kind of like like rooms and houses yeah house to reflect like current design trends so there was one room that was like scandinavian minimalism and then there was one room that was um like 80s japan Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and it was like the most amazing experience because it was so unexpected and like everyone enjoyed it like my my six year old son came and he thought it was like the coolest thing he'd ever seen and then mm-hmm. we saw like Stefano Tonki, like the editor of W magazine with the goggles on and <laughs> sort of like, you know, rotating in, in three in three hundred and sixty degrees. Um so it was this really interesting thing that kind of brought everyone together.
0: Um, and where do you see it going? Do you think it's going to go mainstream relatively soon? Are there issues in terms of adoption because you need headsets and technology to put everything together? The technology is
1: actually really simple. Like you can stick your phone on the headset. And yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's all you need
2: we did we actually talked to a couple of friends who are interior designers like you know while the exhibition was happening and they were really excited they were like this is the future of interior design like so much of um sort of like a hurdle to getting clients to agree on things is them not being able to, like, see it Visualize in their heads. Um, and so this is just, like, c- would completely eliminate that. I think the hurdle now is is um, money. Like, cut the cost it takes to render these things, and then if
1: you need, like, revisions and revisions, and um, – but uh, then again. There's also two other interesting things to talk about, about this. One is that um, Jill and I have actually been featuring a lot more often or noticing a lot more often um, people creating – images that are 3D rendered um, and what I mean is like let's say a brand has a new line of chairs and in the past they would do a huge photo shoot and style it and rent a studio and you know take photographs of it and in an environment to you know put out to press or put in their catalog or whatever and increasingly they're they're hiring people to digitally render it instead and it looks almost like a photograph. So that's been really interesting because that's kind of like, Mm-hmm. You know, you can. You don't have to like ship these objects to a set and photograph them. You can feature whatever you want in these environments and, and it kind of makes – it gives you more latitude to be creative and to kind of, uh, you know, you can incorporate something surreal into it or you can make it super um, realistic. But I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting phenomenon that's starting to happen that we've been receiving all of these projects that are, you know, digital – versions of what once would be photographed. And then the other thing is that when I was at that Pierre Charot show, I had this insane like revelation about the future of humanity actually, (laughs) which was like, you know, and I'm not, I don't really like writing essays like this. Otherwise I would have written something about it. But just this idea that when I was at that show, you know, one of the One of the projects or one of the environments that you could be inside was like a backyard um, in the sunshine and like in the summer, basically. And I was like, oh, my God, if I could just be like in my house in the winter and put on a headset and read a book in some like French villa in the garden, like why wouldn't I choose to do that when I'm at home? And then if I'm choosing to be somewhere else when I'm at home, why do I even need to decorate my house? So I had this whole moment of like, in the future, we'll all live in like a little box with a bed and like a sink
0: i mean frankly it's not that far away and no
1: objects because <laughs> you can know? change out the object as often as you want yeah you can just be in any environment inside virtual i mean obviously like i'm not talking about like eliminate you know you're still gonna hang out with people it's you know i am not like <laughs> or maybe you'll well, hang out right. with i'm not, in, a luddite. <laughs> I am not a luddite i'm all for all this stuff but you know like maybe virtual decoration has become more important than like physical objects which is actually if you think about it great for the planet yeah. You're not manufacturing tons of crap that people throw out after two years, so why not?
0: Shifting gears, I'd like to ask you both a few personal questions. Jill, why is it that you like getting your car washed in Chelsea?
2: That what just means me? that I repeat the same anecdotes in every single. I love getting I did, my car washed in the Yonkers. <laughs> this is just like my standard response when people ask me like what my hobbies are, <laughs> because I mean. Because my day is so much about, like, getting my kids somewhere, running home, like, getting work done, and then being back with my kids, like, it is nice to have, like, a little something else to do sometimes. So I'll go to Chelsea, I'll get my car washed, and then I'll do, like, a little tour of the galleries while I'm there.
0: Favorite Three galleries, if you have any.
2: I mean, that's what's so great about Chelsea is you just kind of like wander and like you'll find a weird exhibition, an amazing exhibition in a gallery you've never been in before. Um, But I don't know. I really like.
0: All of them. All of them. Yeah. Monica, recent purchase of $100 or less that has had a positive or significant impact in your life.
1: Oh, dear. Um... Well, I guess there's two. One is that I just switched my face wash, and my skin is no longer as dry, so I think that's pretty exciting. (laughs) It's called Pete Rivco, And um, the other one that I actually buy on an obsessively regular basis is this immunity pill called Counterattack. Wow. Um, and I get it on Amazon. I was first introduced to it at Whole Foods when I ran in the Whole Foods desperate because I was starting to get sick, and I was like, "Help me! What what should I take?" And they gave this guy like gave it to me, and then
2: it really works. I bought like this tile, this thing called Tile Lock Scrabble. And so like, oh, when you put, yeah, when you put the tiles and they don't move, which is amazing, because oh. then you can like play it on the couch or like, wherever you want, basically. Um, so I've been teaching my six year old son how to play Scrabble.
0: And- One influential book that you've recently read?
1: Well, I read a lot of fiction, so I wouldn't call much of that influential, but I did actually I did just read um the the first novel by George Saunders, Lincoln and the Bardo, and it's really weird, but I actually loved it. So that, and I'm a huge Carl Ovenowsgaard fan. <laughs> um, and then I also read like a self helpy kind of book recently that I thought was super interesting and probably everyone should read it. And it's called Getting the Love You Want. Um, and it sounds like, you know, something 30 something women in new york who are single and cry about it read but that's not what it's about it's about communicating um and so my friend recommended it to me i think it's from actually originally from like the 70s but um it's she recommended it to me and and i appreciated it mostly for its lessons on communication like not even just in relationships so
0: is there a book in specific that you love gifting other people
1: Um, I like uh, this Bruno Munari book called "Design as Art." Is that what it's called? Yeah, "Design as Art." Yeah, because it's um, you know he he's just such a design icon, and he was so interesting and funny. And the book, it just kind of is something that anyone could appreciate. It's like you know it's not just for design nerds. It's, it's I don't know. I think it's like a, it's like very entertaining and humorous and
0: what is the one superpower that you uniquely have that has been a huge factor in the success you all have achieved to date
1: i know what monica says what multitasking <laughs>
2: monica superpower is multitasking it has its
1: drawbacks because i'm always late the That's reason true. i'm always late is because i'm multitasking and i'm like i could just get one more thing done before i leave i swear it's like it's like joke how reliably I'm late. I mean
2: to be honest like it kind of helps that like I you know I don't think I'm like the coolest person in the world (laughs) so I think that kind of helps when you're building a brand that's about being cool like because it doesn't have like a ton of ego attached or like um, I always joke about it because I'm like, if people in college could see me now, <laughs> like I was wearing like a blue fleece and listening to fish, and now I run a tastemaking website. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I honestly think that's been one of the things that's, in,
1: you know, influenced the site. Jill has a, um, I have no attention to detail. Well, let's just put it that way. And Jill's been helpful in that regard.
0: Is there an unusual app on your phone that you can't live without?
1: Unusual?
2: <laughs> Wait. well we are really obsessed with with photoshop on our phones actually like partly why our instagram looks so good
0: dream vacation destination for 2018
2: well, we're actually going to Copenhagen, and I've never been to Copenhagen before. Oh. It's like the last Scandinavian
1: capital that I and it's that I need to be. The best. And apparently it's the best. Mine Mine, did you have one never changes every year, and it's always Japan. And I don't know if I'll ever get there at this rate. I
0: have know. you ever been there before? No, no, I've
1: never been. We're both dying to go.
0: Any favorite travel accessories that you can't yes. live without?
1: I have so many. <laughs> I'll keep it brief. Um... One, well, first of all, I just got a new portable charger, although, oh my God, do you remember the name of it? Jackley, ja- Jackery. Jackery. The Jackery Bolt, which I don't need anymore because of my Arlo Sky suitcase, um, <laughs> but that was before. Anyway, so, <laughs> and then um, I also have these plastic, um, like there's this brand called Melissa that makes all plastic sandals, um, and I have a pair that I got from Amazon for like 30 bucks called The Classy. Um, which is amazing. It's basically like looks really chic, but it's all plastic. So you can wear it in the water, by the water, whatever. Um, so when I go on vacation, I always have those. And then I have a funny, really funny thing that I first saw in Greece. I saw this like old man using it, which is like a tiny little hammock for your head Um, that like collapses flat. And so it's like, it's like basically like an X-shaped frame. And then like a piece of fabric stretched between it like a sling. And so when you go to the beach, you unfold it. And when you're laying down and reading, you can put your head in the little sling and it lifts your head up. But some woman was offering them on Etsy monogrammed. And I was just like, can you just ship me one plane? That's it.
2: I love that Aesop. It's like the Aesop version of Purell. (laughs) Because I'm kind of obsessive about hand washing. Damn, that's really it.
0: I think we can go on for at least another hour with the questions I have, but I think we're out of time. If artists want to reach you both, are you on Twitter? And if so, what are your Twitter handles or your email? Are you on any Don't
1: write us on Twitter. <laughs> like no one will ever see it. Also, don't write us. Just send us an email. <laughs>
2: okay. Hello at
1: sightunseen.com. And if you go to our website, there's like a contact us page that has the email. And we, we actually read every email. Do. So. We don't always respond, but we read them all.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time and can't wait to see what Sight unseen is up to in 2018. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. It is our first episode and we would love your feedback. You can reach us directly at podcast at ArloSky.com. Thanks so much again. Have a great day.